welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 164 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of January 2018, entitled Two Eternal Abodes, A Place Called Hell, Part 3. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'd like to be opening your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. I invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, taken from Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that He may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Besides all this, betwixt us and you there is a great gulf fixed, So that they which pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, thank you this morning that we do have this time to look into your word. Thank you for preserving your word before us. Thank you for your spirit to give us understanding. Now, Lord, we just ask once again, please. Speak to our hearts as only you can. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. We have been looking in our continued series, the thought of two eternal abodes, heaven and hell. And of course, this is part of the bigger series that we have been looking at for several years on contending for the faith, that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. What is it that we should be contending for today? And we spent a number of weeks as we came to this fundamental of the, of the faith that there are two eternal abiding places. One is called heaven. The other is called hell. Now, I find it very, very, very enjoyable to think about and read about and preach about heaven. 
It's exciting to look and think of all those things that still lie before us. But we said, and this is the third, as we begin to look at that eternal abiding place called hell. And of course, we have said that knowing all about hell within itself will not save anybody. But it's a pretty important topic. We need to recognize and understand. And we'll look at some of those things. And if you've been here for the first couple of sermons, we know that as we began to look at that, we talked about some of the very important reasons why it is that we need to understand what we can about heaven and about hell. As we begin and we have looked at these things thus far, we have looked here at this word hell in our Bibles, and we have seen that there were four words that are translated hell into our Bibles. The one Tartarus is the one that's only used one place, and it speaks of those angels that are being bound, being reserved unto judgment. But in speaking of those angels and them being reserved in this place called Tartus until judgment, he is using that to speak of God's judgment on all things. And then we, we looked at the Old Testament, the word Sheol. Sheol, literally meaning the, the place of the dead or the unseen state. That is the word that is translated a total of 65 times in the Old Testament. 31 times as hell, 31 times as grave, grave, and three times as pit. Spoken about a lot. And then we moved into the, to the New Testament and the fact that here in the New Testament, we began looking at this word, Hades. And as we looked at this idea of Hades, we find that, again, it's used in the New Testament, meaning basically what the Old Testament Sheol meant, the, the unseen world, the, the underworld, that region of the departed souls. And we looked at a number of passages already where this word is, is, is translated into our New Testament Bibles, but we said that we, as we come to Luke chapter 16, our reading for today, you see, with that Old Testament shield, we saw descriptions of both good and bad. It was used for both the righteous and the unrighteous. We've also seen with that that what the Scripture says about Hades, that we find that same thing, that Hades was spoken of just as it is in this passage for both the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous. But if we look at this passage today, there's clearly no other place in all the Bible that we have a more vivid picture and description of this place called Hades. And I want to just pick a few things out here because there are a lot, a lot of things that are taught today, a lot of things that are thrown around today. But I said from the very beginning, you know, we don't adjust our spiritual knowledge and our theology based upon what is comfortable and what 
others say and others think is based upon what God says. This passage is given to us here. And I want you just as we look through it, I want you to, to notice a couple of things here. First of all, that Hades inhabitants, those that are there, those that are pictured there, are certain people. Notice he said in verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. This is a certain man, a rich man that is alive on earth. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Many people would read this account and they say, that's not real. That's a parable. That's a made-up story. I say to you today, folks, I know that a lot of people will say that. But there is no biblical grounds for that. The Bible openly tells us when it's talking about a parable. Nowhere in Scripture do you find a parable that's talking about certain people, exact people with names upon the face of this earth. You see, what we've been looking at, first of all, in our thoughts upon hell is that we must grasp, just of all, first of all, just as we did with heaven, that hell is a real place. This is not just a made-up story about made-up people. This account begins with certain people, real people, that are very much alive on this earth. Matter of fact, they're both living right alongside each other. They're living in the same space upon this earth though their circumstances are very, very different. One is a rich man that seems to have all the comforts that this world can give him. Well, the other is a beggar who has nothing, no health, no wealth. He's having to beg for literally the crumbs of this other man while he's here. You see, we need to grasp and understand Hell is real. Hades, inhabitants, are certain people, real people. It's real people that live there, and not only are they real people, but Hades is entered at a certain time, a specific time. Each and every one of us, we find here that the Bible said in verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died. These two certain people, these two real people, the beggar dies. And when he dies, it says that he's carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and he was buried, just as dead people are. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. You see, real people on a real earth living in the same space, sharing things in common in this life, though very, very different circumstances. But there came that point as every human being must face when they died. This body ceased to live. That body was buried. But these two certain people, when they died, 
we find that they ended up in this place called Hades. And we find here in these verses that there are two clear divisions in this place called Hades. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. So this place where the beggar is carried to is the same place that Abraham, the very one that God used to call out his people, to separate a people in this world when he founded the, the nation of Israel. It's the place where Abraham was. It's where Lazarus was taken to. He was right there being comforted by Abraham in Abraham's bosom, the Bible says. But the rich man, he also died. And he was buried. And in hell, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off. Now, at this point, we see Hades... And we see Abraham's bosom. We see that this place, though, that they're all there together because this rich man can look across and he can see Lazarus. He can see him there being comforted by, by Abraham. And, of course, we even find that after asking some certain things, it's made very specific to him in verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, between us, Abraham's bosom and Lazarus where they were, between us and you, the rich man in Hades, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. So they are there. There are two clear divisions, but it is impossible for people to pass one way or the other. Once they are there, once they are there in this place called hell, in this place called Hades, they're there forever. They can never get to the other side. That's important. That's important as we move on. So you see, Hades. Hades' inhabitants are certain people that have entered there at a certain time, and it has two very clear divisions in this place. But I want you to notice something else. Hades' inhabitants, those that are there, are clearly conscious. They're clearly conscious. You see, the rich man, he clearly has all of his faculties and mind at work here. He could see, he could hear, he could speak, he could feel, he could remember, he could reason, and so forth and so forth. That's what it says. Notice in verse 23, and he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, plural. And he seeth Abraham afar off. He's there. He's feeling the torments of the place he is at, and yet he is seeing, he is visibly seeing Abraham afar off, and he's seeing Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. He was feeling, he was feeling the torments of that place, and he consciously was desiring to have relief from what he was. Have mercy upon me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. You see, he was in torments. He was conscious of the presence of others. He was crying out. He was crying out to Father Abraham to, to have mercy upon him because he was feeling the pain. He was feeling the thirst. He was obviously 
Abel to remember. He said, but Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. The rich man was told by Abraham, hey, you are where you are now and you can't pass from there to anywhere else. But remember, remember where you came from. Remember what it was like there. Remember when you had what you thought to be all the wonderful comforts that this world could give you. And yet, Lazarus, he had the evil things. He was tormented. He was obviously able to remember that formal life. Then notice what he says in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. The rich man is pleading with Abraham to send Lazarus back to his father's house. He wants him to go back because he not only remembers what's there, he remembers who's there, and he knows where he's at right now is not where he wants those people to be. He says, For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He remembered his former life. He remembered the people that were still there. That's why. You know, one of the hardest things that a preacher has to do in this life is to stand and say the last words over somebody that has left this life that we have no confidence that they're with the Lord, that we've seen no fruit. Now, some of you may have heard me preach it right here in funerals in this building. One of the one of the things that we hold dear as Christians, as believers, is that there's always hope when there's Jesus. There's always hope where the gospel seed has been sown. The travesty in this life is when people leave this life and they've never been told about Jesus. They have no hope without Jesus Christ. When your family, my family, your friends and my friends, when they leave this world, it's a horrible thing. I've had to say goodbye to people that had very special places in my lives here. And I had no confidence because I'd never seen them acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd never known of them following the Lord in this life. But the only hope that I could hang on to is that I hadn't wasted the opportunity to share the gospel with them. You see, when those people that you know and that I know, when they leave this world, I believe the Bible is bearing out, folks. There are two eternal abiding places, and the one that we're looking at right now is Hades, and we'll move on. But what we need to grasp and understand, what a horrible, terrible thing. You see, I can also preach this at anybody's funeral, and I have done a number of times. See, whoever's departed this world, I don't care whether we think that they're in heaven or hell. I believe that their message to you would be look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. If they're in heaven, they want you to look to Jesus. But I can promise you just as this rich man here, if they're in the place of torment, then they want you to get the message to look to Jesus Christ. They're conscious. They're being reminded 
He said, I've got five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see, he's being reminded here of the simple truth that we preach time and time and time and time again. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He's saying, I need somebody to go back with this phenomenon. There's no greater miracle than somebody rising from the dead that's been dead and go back and tell them, surely they'll believe. He said, no. They've got. Moses and the prophets was their Bible. <laughs> that was the Old Testament. <laughs> that they've got God's Word. If they won't believe that, they're not going to believe even if somebody rose from the dead. Folks, our only hope in this life, that which seals our destiny for all eternity, is what takes place in our heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Nobody's ever been saved because of a miracle. I believe in a miraculous God. I believe that God can do anything. But it's only faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you. That's what will seal your eternity. You see, verse 25 says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise, <laughs> Lazarus, evil things. But now... He is comforted, and thou art tormented. You see, he was very conscious of both worlds. He was very conscious. He was very conscious that in the past world, and he thought he had everything. Poor Lazarus had nothing. But he's also conscious that now, in this world, Lazarus is the one that's being comforted, and you're the one that's facing the torments. You see, we need to grasp and understand, if we're going, to understand the eternal abiding place, we need to understand what the Word of God is teaching us. And on this place called Hades, its inhabitants are certain people that enter at a certain time. And it has two clear divisions, and everybody is clearly conscious of everything. But may I say to you today, Hades has experienced some considerable changes. It's experienced some considerable changes. You see, when Jesus Christ... When he was offered as that once for all sacrifices for all sins, the sins of both the Old Testament and the New Testament people, things changed forever. And included in those changes were even in Hades itself. Nothing was the same. Jesus Christ split all of time for humanity. We measure our clocks by that. You see, for the unsaved, I challenge you to take me anywhere in the Word of God. This is Jesus Christ. Not that any part of the Bible is more inspired than the others. Jesus is the one that's telling us this story. And he's the one because he knows. He knows what's taking place everywhere. He knows what's taking place in Hades, whether it be the torment side or the comfort side. He knows exactly. He could share this account because there was nobody else that could. But Jesus wanted us 
to know. I would challenge you to show me anywhere in Scripture that Hades has ever changed for the unbeliever. Now, I find one change in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 14, speaking specifically about God's righteous judgment. He said there that hell hath enlarged herself. That's the only thing that I can find that has changed at any point is that it's had to get larger. Nothing else there. The word there, Sheol, hath enlarged herself, equivalent to the New Testament Hades that we're looking at here. You see, as we gather here this morning in Bethel Free Baptist Church, Hades is the same today as it was for the rich man. It's the same for every lost person today. The biggest change for Hades is still in the future. You see, it is coming. There is coming a big change one day. We read about that in the book of Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20, notice what the Word of God says beginning in verse 10. It says, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, the only change that we find from the description we have right here in Luke chapter 16 is that at some point, whether he was prophesying Past this point or what, I'll tell you in a moment when I think that it took place. But the Bible only tells us that hell got larger. Jesus himself gave us a vivid description of what Hades was like. But we find that there were a couple of changes. The change took place for the unsaved and that it got larger. And there is definitely a change coming in the future when death and hell. We always see those, the body and the soul, that which is dead in the ground and that which goes on, that soul continuing on. Death and hell, the body and the soul were cast into the lake of fire. For the saved, though, there's some considerable changes that have taken place, folks, from what we see here. You see, he gives us the description, and we have these two clear divisions that are there. But notice what we have. First of all, in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, as Jesus was hanging on the cross and there were two thieves on either side of him. When that thief asked Jesus to remember him, the words Jesus spoke to him there said, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in 
paradise. Today, today, thief, that's part of what gives us our hope. No, he hadn't lived. He had lived a terrible life, a sinful life. He was there dying for crimes that he had committed. But he called out to Jesus. Jesus said, today, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. What's important there? Wherever that thief was going, wherever he was going that day, he was going to be in the same place that Jesus was. That was where paradise was. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, and we looked at this passage when we were looking at that place called heaven. Because here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Word of God said, says, says this, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot. I knew a man over 14 years ago. Of course, he's speaking of himself. He couldn't tell. He knew that he was there, but he wasn't sure if he was there in his body or out of his body. That body and that soul, again, being differentiated, he said, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Remember we talked about the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. The third heaven is where God is at. The third heaven is where the throne room is at. The third heaven is where Jesus Christ is today. He said, I've caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. <laughs> and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Paul said, I was called up there. I don't know if I was in the body or the soul or what. Only God knows. But I was there. I was there in the third heaven. And he says, I was called up into paradise. We find that the words heaven and the word paradise are used interchangeably here. I was caught up into the third heaven. I was caught up into paradise. He's speaking of the same place. He was only in one place. Back a few chapters in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, he said this. He says, we are confident, I say. Here's something we know without a shadow of a doubt. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Differentiating again between the body and the soul. When we, the real you that lives inside that temporary tent that's sitting there, that soul, to be absent from this body with a believer is to be present with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi, he says, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said, man, I'm really ripped and torn here. There's part of me that would love to just go ahead and depart this old body right now to be there with God because I know it's going to be far better off. I've said to you before, every one of you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'd be far better off dead today than sitting right there where you are. 
Because you'd be with him. You'd be away from that sinful body. You'd be out of this sinful world. I said, oh, man, there's a part of me. I just want to get out of this body, and I want to be there with him. But I'm still here because it's needful that I be here for you. As a believer, you're only here for one reason. God still has a work for you. God has a purpose for your life. He knows you'd be better off in heaven, but he's left you here for a reason. Are you fulfilling that purpose? Because I believe the greatest purpose that any of us have is that that work of Jesus Christ can be carried on through us. That's what it's all about. For eternity, he wants the souls of men saved. You see, it becomes clear from these passages that in this present age of grace that you and I live in, that to be absent from these bodies is to be present with the Lord. The place where the departed souls who belong to Christ is no longer in the underworld, Hades, but it's in the very place where Jesus Christ is. Preacher, why did that change? Where did that change take place? Well, I believe that it took place when Jesus took care of the sin problem. You see, there had to be a place for departed, departed righteous and unrighteous. There had to be a place, and we find that everybody goes somewhere when they leave this body. In Ephesians chapter 4, I believe that this is where that this change took place. We find here, beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, but unto every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, Jesus Christ ascended up on high. That same Jesus that ascended up is the same Jesus that's coming again. But it says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Some people think it's all symbolism. Jesus Christ himself took that shed blood from Calvary and put it on the mercy seat. He put it there for you and he put it there for me. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, into Hades, if you would. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You see, the passage is talking here. Jesus built his church, and he left his church. Now, these are gifts because he's ascending back on high. He's given gifts to that church, and it goes on for the perfecting of the saint, that we might be able to grow and be stronger and do something and accomplish the work for him. But he's showing us very clearly here that as he ascended up on high and he gave these gifts to the church, before he did that, he ascended down into the lower parts. Folks, all those Old Testament saints, right back from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Jesus was first prophesied about, they all had to go somewhere. They couldn't go to heaven yet because their sins had not been totally taken care of. The, the sins, the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary is the only payment for anybody's sin ever. So Hades, 
that place of immediate going beyond this world, they used to be there in the heart of the world together. But we find now that the Bible is clear that for us as believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's clear that the Lord is in heaven. Jesus Christ himself is the one that went and got everybody that was in the temporary Hades in the underworld and led them to where he is in heaven. That's our immediate place when we leave this world now. We find that it's awesome. There's so many things that we could look about that, but that clock is getting the best of us again. And I just want to give you these two things in closing this morning. You see, we've talked about Tartarus, Sheol, Hades. We've seen a clear description of this place called Hades, which was the Old Testament Sheol. The only other one time that that place is mentioned in Scripture was for those. You see, it is extremely important that you need to understand. Sheol, Tartarus, and Hades are all intermediate states. It's, it's an immediate state. The moment that we leave it, they died, they lifted up their eyes. They're all in Scripture. We find that. It's extremely important to recognize that God himself, in the Word of God, defines to us all of these different ways and all of these different ways. And all three of these words describe a real place a place that is entered immediately upon death. A distinction is made time and again, which I've pointed out as we've gone through. A distinction is made between death and hell. A distinction that most definitely is between the body and the soul. The body dies. The soul lives on. The body is dead. But the soul is living eternally in one of these places. We see clearly that both body and soul are immediately in a place that's real. The body is in the earth, but the soul is somewhere. The body is in the ground for everyone that dies, and they're still waiting that resurrection one day in due order. Whether you're saved or whether you're lost, it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. But just as we saw for the believer, that immediate transfer of the soul to heaven, we see for the unbeliever, that immediate transfer of a soul to hell, to Hades, to a place of torment. When the soul leaves this physical body at death, it immediately goes to a real place somewhere, heaven or hell. There are no other existences. At this point, the point of the death of that body, whichever destiny that it might be for that soul, it's only an intermediate state. It's immediate upon death, but it's intermediate. All of these words through describing this place that, that is entered immediately, none of them are permanent. It describes an intermediate state, a temporary state. A lot of people believe in such things, but the sad thing is that many of them are unscriptural. A lot of people find it easier just to believe in, 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 in soul sleep or soul unconsciousness, that when we die, that's it, folks. The soul's just going to sleep. There is no feelings. There is no nothing. But that is totally contrary to everything we read here today. Some believe that the death of the body is it that it's not just asleep, 
That's the final it. When we die, we go back to the dust and there is nothing else. There's a lot of people that believe that today. In fact, the Bible says if, if, if it's in this life only that we have hope, is this, if this is all that we've got in this life, then we are a people most pitiable. We ought to be pitied if that's all the hope that we have. There's some that would teach a place called purgatory, a place of, of purging and suffering and purification so that when you didn't make it in this life, that you got a chance to do something in another life. May I say that totally, completely dishonors completely the perfect atonement of Jesus Christ. Either you're saved by the atonement of His blood or you're not saved at all. There's nothing else you can do to purge yourself from what Jesus has already purged you from. I believe there's some kind of probation after this life. <laughs> that there's going to be somehow another opportunity. Another opportunity to to choose what's right beyond the grave. May I say to you, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Bible knows nothing of those things. The scriptural truth, I'd just like to make a few observations. We've seen, and I believe that will become much clearer even in the days ahead. You see, Hell is real, but Hades is only part of the reality. It's terrible. And though Hades is hell and it's entered immediately by the wicked when they leave this body, it's not their final existence. It's only a temporary intermediate place. We saw in Revelation chapter 2 that death and Hades will deliver up all that are in them. Since Jesus' death on the cross, paradise for the Christian is not just to be with Abraham. It's to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paradise is with him. That's such a wonderful and exciting thought that Paul was actually torn apart in this life trying to figure out, you know, because, man, there was part of him that just wanted to, to go on right now. Lay this old physical body down and go to be with the Lord. However, he knew that God still had a work for him here to affect others. We find that even for the Christian, that's not our final destination. It's not the end of the story for us either. I'd like to read you one of the passages in closing in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, beginning in verse 19, he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Our body's not redeemed yet. Our soul is, praise God. But there's more coming. One day, one day when he calls us forth and we'll be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll have that body that's redeemed also. You see, we all face death 
That is a reality all around us, and nobody can deny that. The believer that dies in the Lord is pronounced a blessing when we leave this world. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But thank God there's even more to come. For the unbeliever that's rejected Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present in Hades. There is no grounds for hope once they've left this world, but even that's not the end of the story. What is the rest of the story? Well, we'll see as we come back to the Word of God next week, God willing, and we look. There is another place called hell, Gehenna. Gehenna is the everlasting place of abode for those that are not with God. But you see, here today, I don't know your heart. And if I could, I would do anything in my power. Do you really comprehend and realize? Knowing about hell may not save you, but you need to realize you're alive in that body. Once that body dies, your soul is going to take up residence somewhere. It's going to either be in paradise with the Lord in the third heaven. That's where your soul will be while your body goes back to the dust of this earth, awaiting the resurrection. But friend, I'm not saying this to scare you, but I don't care how good a person you are. I don't care how much you love me and I love you and we all love each other. I don't care how good and generous and all. Do you realize there's only one way that you can be redeemed from your sin? And that's to trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can only cry out in mercy. You see, the rich man was crying out for mercy, but it was too late for him. Here today, you're still here present in that body of yours. Once it separates, there'll be no more coming back. Once it separates, there'll be no more choices. Right now, you can choose. You can choose here today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Today, I'm pleading with you from my heart. Do you realize that eternity awaits? There's only two eternal abiding places. Why do you want to risk like the rich man did, just having what you can in this life, when one day that's going to end and it has nothing to do with the next life? Today, you can have assurance. You can have nothing in this life. You can be like that old beggar that was just having for the crumbs, but in eternity, you'll have everything. Father, Lord, it's not an easy subject. It's not a subject we like to think about, but Lord, it's a necessary subject. Too many today don't preach about it, don't speak about it, because it can be offensive. Lord, we need to grasp it. We need to understand it. We need to, to realize that life is a precious gift. You want us to have that life that will last forever. You want us to be with you throughout eternity. But Lord, without the shed blood of Christ, that's an impossibility. Unless we get rid of the sin problem, we can't be with you for eternity. So I pray today, please, Lord, would you speak to the hearts of those that are here? There be anyone in our midst that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Please show them that. Help them, Lord. Strength. Help them to swallow their pride. Help them to have whatever they need to humble themselves, to call out for mercy today to believe that because of Jesus Christ, they can receive that mercy. And Father, for every believer here, will you remind us, Lord, 
Remind us there are two eternal abiding places and we can have assurance of our own destiny. But help remind us afresh, Lord, our family, our friends, our neighbors, those all around us, they're only one heartbeat away from eternity as well. Help us, Lord. Help us to make this, make us more conscious of why we're still here. We're still here to warn them. We're still here that others can come to know Christ through our lives. For we ourselves would be better off in heaven. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.